welcome to episode 228 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike. My name is Stanislav here in Manchester, and with me on the line from Chicago, it's the godfather, Dave Harbarger. Stan, I wanted to wish you a very happy Tears of the Kingdom Day, my friend. Oh, you got it? Because guess what? That's what my children and wife have bequeathed to me on Father's Day. Yes. So it's what, uh, 7 a.m. your time? It's 8.15 a.m. on Father's Day right now. Have you plugged in to yours yet? Nope. I just got it about an hour ago. And then, uh, you know, I had to finish the rest of my daily ablutions. I managed to sneak in a weekday shower before our weekend shower before I talk to you, which doesn't always happen. No, it does not. Getting a shower in is a negotiation these days. Any other Father's Day stuff we want to talk about? Negotiating showers? Um, brunch. I had a, I had a great great brunch. I had a croque madame. What is uh, what's Father's Day like in the UK? Is it it's a thing? Just, is it not a thing? Or yeah, it's it's a thing. I guess it's just like American Father's Day. Maybe there's less barbecuing. Mm-hmm. The English, at least in Manchester, like sure they barbecue from time to time, but I don't feel like it has the same barbecue culture that America has, where barbecuing is like this weird gendered tra- holiday tradition. Yes. In America. Well, and it's also like a piece of gear. Like it's a piece of dad gear here all the time. You, I, I just got a new Weber grill for what it's worth. And I'm very excited about it. I took pictures of it because I was proud of it the other day after I put it together. And yeah. I don't even like to barbecue that much. And I'm still like, I'm going to get the, the nice one. You gotta. You have to be a man in America. With a barbecue. With a piece yeah. of, uh, yeah. That's not actually what the show's about. This show is about something much more exciting, I think, than a holiday. Oh, yeah. On this week's show, we're joined by a very special guest returning to the podcast after starting an exciting new job as creative director of Magic the Gathering Online. It's the one and only Ryan Spain, who's going to join us to talk about the past, present, and future of Magic Online. Yeah, unbelievable. Stan, thank you so much for coordinating, working with Ryan to find a time to bring him on. Really excited to have Ryan here. Um, You know, everybody knows I'm a longtime fan of limited resources. I gush about it a little bit when we talked to Ryan at the beginning. But, uh, you know, Ryan's a really uh, interesting guy, has had a long history working with magic and around magic. He's been a streamer. He was one of the first podcasters, I think, to really make a huge platform for podcasting together with Marshall Sutcliffe, and then also has done two separate stints at Wizards, well, one stint at Wizards, and then now this separate second stint at Daybreak Games back involved with Magic Online again. That's right. Ryan will join us in just a minute, but before he does, let's housekeep. We got one new patron to join the Dive Down Nation. It is John. Thank you, John, or Jack, whichever you prefer. If you'd like to join our Patreon, you can find us over at patreon.com slash the dive down. Probably the best way to support our show. Mm -hmm. Another decent way to support our show is with some dive down merch, which you can find at the divedown.com slash store. Very soft t-shirts, baseball hats for that scorching summer sun. The solstice is upon us now. More sunlight than any other time of the year. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, we have scarves and hoodies too. Right. And also, if you happen to be as far north as Stan is right now, apparently the sun never sets. The sun never sets on Manchester. That's right. I sent I sent David a video last night from 10 p.m. It, you must admit, it looked bright. It did look bright. It yes. looked bright. It's dark in Chicago at 10 o'clock, right? You were or still wearing sunglasses. Dusk, right? At 10 p.m. Yeah. in Chicago, I, I literally don't remember anymore. It's a, it's dusky. At 10 p.m. in Chicago? Yeah. It's dark already. It's, it's dark. dark already. Yeah. It wasn't dark, was it, David? 
No, it was, it was dark night. last night. All right, yeah, Manchester, it's cool. Um, but that's not what this housekeeping is about. This housekeeping is about some of our sponsors, including Mana Traders. You can use our Mana Traders code, the Dive Down 2023, to get 10% off your first two months of renting Magic Online cards on Magic Online, the subject of this episode. You can also use our promo code for Barrister and Man, the Dive Down M23. It's like a corset for promotions and fragrances the dive down m23 gets you 15 percent off your first order from barrister and man and then of course you can save some money on actual physical cards from our friends over at nerd rage gaming with promo code dive eight to get eight percent off your orders from nerd rage gaming all right as we get out of housekeeping though we just want to talk one more minute about our friends at barrister and man barrister and man has some new great things going on this week. We know that you are this uh, this summer. We know you already missed on Father's Day. We missed on Father's Day as well. We received gifts. I forgot to send any though, because that's who I am. But uh, Stan, why don't you tell us about what's going on with Barrister Man right now? Yeah, there's some really exciting new products coming out from our friends Will and team over Barrister and Man. One of the biggest additions is called Lavender Interrupted, which is, I'm being told, a very sexy new fragrance that offers this captivating blend of lavender, hoewood, geranium, plum, cinnamon, clove. It sounds like a like a tea, like an herbal tea, but it is in fact a fragrance for you to wear. Enchanting, beguiling. It's going to leave you feeling utterly seduced. Wow. We're we're going to talk about how much you've been seduced by big tea now that you live in the UK at some point in the future. But uh, I know you know, there's one more scent that you wanted to talk about as well. Oh, I, there's a couple. So Nordost, which is Barrister and Man's love letter to oranges, is back. This is one that offers very gentle citrus notes and even has a touch of wood smoke. Um, and we talked about the summer. It's hot. We're sweating. You can also get a splash cologne. This is one that like has a hint of menthol. It keeps you more cool and refreshed. For those looking for maybe some liquid happiness, there's two new bath soaps as well. Fougère Classique. A rich floral fern scent. And then there's uh, the Vervine bath soap, a delightful lemon verbena blend. And then I don't know if we've talked about these yet, but there's these black sheep shaving towels that Barrister Man sells from their friends at Lancaster Razor Works, which you can use for drying yourself. You can use it for drying your shaving gear, dry your armpits, whatever is moist or damp and needs a padding from a towel. Check out the Black Sheep Shaving Towels over at BNM. Check out these exciting products before they're gone. BNM products, they don't last forever. They're always adding new fragrances because the old ones go away. And if any of these sound appealing to you, and they should, because they sound appealing to me, and I'm an idiot when it comes to fragrances. I just know this stuff smells good. You can get a discount using promo code the Dive Down M23. Gets you 15% off if you've never ordered from BNM before. If you have ordered from BNM before, just leave a note. The Dive Down sent us. We love we love the Dive Down. We love BM so they know that you are a friend to both of us. Absolutely. And with that, let's bring on Ryan Spain. All right. And without further ado, we have with us a returning guest with a new job. Since the last time you were on, you are now the creative director of Magic the Gathering Online at Daybreak Games, none other than Ryan Spain. Ryan, welcome back. Thank you. Hello. Good to be here. How you been? Thriving. 
thriving. Stan's moved to a new country since the last time you you talked to he and Shane. That's right. Northern yeah, England. British now. How's that going? You know, I just had a candy. This is a true story. I just had a bag of candy called Teeth and Lips, and they're gummy <laughs> human teeth and lips, and uh, it was delicious. So, whatever people say about British food, it's all it's all wrong. As long as it's made of sugar, it's going to be pretty good. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so, Ryan, I was not on the show the last time, but I'm just going to take a minute here because I don't know. St- I'm sure Stan and Shane did not mention this the last time we were on the call, but I'm a huge fan of limited resources and go all the way back to episode one. Really? For what it's worth. Yes. You're Orion, as they say. I remember the day. Yes, I am Orion, actually. I'm Orion Brian combo. You know what I mean? So um, I I did want to say one thing because you and I actually talked one time and you on Magic Online a long time Mm -hmm. ago. You have the distinction of being one of two people in the world who have recognized where my Magic Online screen name came from unprompted stan is the other one actually on the phone call right now so my magic online screen name is halo bender and Mm -hmm. you were like great band and i was like oh my god (laughs) somebody somebody recognized i was like ryan is cool but i was just reaching out to say uh thank you for the podcast it wouldn't be a a huge stretch to say that i stole my wife from calvin from uh, calvin johnson Johnson. what <laughs> that wow. that is a stretch. It's not. A, it's a stretch. The, the, they but but uh, they they uh, my my wife uh, is friends and uh, with lots of local Seattle uh, musicians right. and, and bands and so uh, she and she and Calvin uh, were our old friends and and eh, you know they danced for a little bit but it, it was never anything. That's serious. funny. Yeah. I remember the time you mentioned to me too that you were like, yeah, the guy who's the drummer and built the spill like made our wedding cake or something exactly. like this is yeah, exactly. this is a long Scott time ago Clough. yeah we t- i mean this yeah. is like but the reason i bring it up too is just to thank you from the bottom of my heart for like you know that show and the work that you and marshall did on that show really inspired i think ultimately part of us to do the dive down many many years later so much appreciate it and uh, i am one of those people who's like podcast mean a lot to me you guys were there when i was doing you know learning about tilt from you all and all that kind of stuff in those early episodes it's like really i'm formative. still working on it myself well me too <laughs> right but uh thank you for that and of course thank you for everything else we're super excited to talk to you about magic online today of course so am i glad to have uh, glad to be here glad you're having me yeah and look magic online is important to us as well we're at this age dave and i that I'm sure yeah. you'll understand. We're like, Magic Online is the thing that keeps us connected to magic. We're dads. It's hard to get to the LGS every week. We're lucky to get to a oh, bigger yeah. tournament when they happen. Um, and we're we're really thrilled, not only for just to have you on, but like excited to see that you're back on the Magic Online team. Um, Thank you. And, I'm excited to be back. Yeah, and w- when that announcement came from Daybreak of, of who was on the MTGO team and, and seeing your familiar face on there, it just... I think for a lot of players, including ourselves, it was an indicator that MTGO, though it's going through this big change of moving to Daybreak, it still will have like an advocate and a steady hand of someone that we know loves magic. And, and I'm sure the rest yeah. of the Daybreak team loves loves it as well. But I, I don't know that the other ones had podcasts. You know, the uh, most of the team, that the development team that, that has been making magic uh, for, I mean, it's had a huge team over the 20 plus years of its existence but you know the 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 core team that has been making the last game for the making the game for the last five to ten largely moved over there was a couple people couple people who either didn't transition or um moved on after but uh it's uh it's really the 
the crew that understands this game really well, continuing to do great work uh, on it and uh, under new management, basically. That's the way to think of it. Can you can you tell us a little bit about, before we kind of get into specific questions and everything, I'd love to hear about just kind of what the role of the creative director is in in the sense of Magic Online, right? And also just kind of maybe how that compares to the job you used to have there, if that help, helps illustrate kind of what you do on every day or what's on your mind every day. Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the title... Titles, it's a small crew. And when it comes to small crews, titles are uh, the thing on your resume or your your plaque or whatever, but it doesn't always define what you do moment to moment. It's a world where there's hats all around and you, and you need, the hats need to be picked up, put on, and the stuff needs to get done. And uh, really creative director is uh, emblematic of my skill set that I'm applying to those, you know, the hats that I'm putting on, which encompasses game design, uh, art direction in terms of uh, what uh, what art from sets we're using in game and in uh, in our forums and that kind of thing. So like little you know, creative direction in that sense. Uh, but it's really, I was hired because I know this game. I know uh, what it's good at and where it's, uh, it can use improvement. And so fundamentally it was about my ability to hold a vision for where this game can go and uh, work with a team on on getting it there um and that's really what creative director is about in this sense and in in a sense it's a, it's a lot it is a lot like uh the job i had previously except uh maybe i'm a little higher up in terms of uh where my authority is in decision making right. you know i was more someone who would offer opinions and uh, information for decision makers. And now it's more than I'm a decision maker. So, Got it. Uh, but in terms of the skill sets I'm applying to Magic Online, it's it's very similar to what I was doing back at Wizards. Awesome. Cool. We'd love to talk about that transition. We've got a lot of questions that we're eager to ask you that I've always wanted to ask someone at Magic, Wizards, Magic Online. And now this is our chance to finally get to, to pick your brain. Yes, I will. I, I will uh, give you what I can. Yeah, yeah so sure, hit, sure, sure. Hit me with what you got. So you were on limited resources about a month ago. You're talking about uh, the the cube, the vintage cube, but you did share a really interesting anecdote about the transition from Wizards to Daybreak, and and you described it like a hand transplant of having to actually reconnect arteries and capillaries and tendons and muscles. And I thought that was like a very good visual. But what we haven't really heard yet is. You know, what are some of like the actual trials and tribulations that go into porting a game from one company to another? Like, can you give us insights into what that was like? What did you guys learn and what have you accomplished in, in that process? The one of the challenge, a big challenge of it was that it's, you, you know, people want timelines. Uh, but when you're in a troubleshooting place with something, which is where you end like, cause you're taking the reason I use the hand transplant analogy, I think it's good because you, you, you understand it at its core, what I'm talking about, but then you think about the detail work to get it to actually function. And you're like, oh yeah, that's really complicated, isn't it? And it's like, this is a game that was being supported by the uh, machine that is wizards of the coast. And now it's a game that is being supported by a different company. And it's so many different things to make sure are working. And the, the process is almost like, or repairing a car, you know, all right, turn it on. Oh, no, not, what is it? It's the, oh, it's that gasket. And then you fix the gasket, try it again. The gasket is fixed, yay, but it uncovered that the next step in the, that's <laughs> not working is this one beneath it. And you don't know how many things there are necessarily to fix under the gasket because you just got to do it 
one layer at a time. Uh, and so it, it was just a challenge in that way. It's like the, the it was just a, a lot of people again, you know, going back and uh, rerunning it, debug, debug, debug. And it, it's just a, it's not something that you can do with a snap of the fingers. It's just a lot of hard work uh, from a lot of brilliant uh, engineers and got it done. But you guys didn't have to rebuild magic online. In a sense, you do need to rebuild it, right? Like the, 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 uh, because it's a, it's, you're taking in the sense that it's a, I mean, what is building software? Like, I mean, you have this software that's on wizards resources and it needs to be rebuilt over on these other resources, but it is software. So you can copy it, you know, they're like, it's not uh, like you need to redesign the thing, but that's the thing. Copy and pasting the magic online code and putting it in a new server doesn't get the job done. There's so much more. Right. So that's, uh, that's, that was the real challenge and, or, uh, yeah, challenge and, and just the thing that makes it take a long time. Uh, it would, whereas if, uh, Daybreak had acquired an entire studio that was running magic online, uh, as a, as a complete entity, it would have been easy. You just kind of roll it in as, as, uh, as you wish, but it's a, it's a machine that's already running. But in this case, we had to disconnect the machine and reconnect it. And that was a challenge. Was that an opportunity too? To do some stuff you guys wanted to do, or no, you you were just maintaining. Yeah, you at, at that point you're just trying to make the copy look the same. Got it. Yeah, understood. <laughs> then, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is, is there any anecdotes you can share of you know what happens? Like wh- what was something that broke in staging that you had to correct before you can push to production? That you know maybe was an unintended. Oh, you're talking to the wrong guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like like there's so many little things. Um, Oh, I mean, I guess the one put like, like an example of the type of thing, like, oh yeah, like there's a lot, just a lot of, oh yeah. <laughs> and like, we're, we're moving over content on the website and there's uh, all these links that are wizards links, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You have to, yeah, there, there's, you can't just, again, you can't just copy and paste the whole magic online website. So that, you know, the, and uh, finding, all those uh, little details, it's the capillaries, you know, the capillaries again and again, just say, oh, you f- do you remember this one? And then you put it on the list and get it done. All right. Well, th- thanks for helping us understand the transition and just all the hard work that went into that. Um, when you think about Magic Online going forward, kind of its place in the ecosystem with, with Magic players, how, how do you think about that when you compare it, especially to the other main outlets that we have, like Arena and Paper and, and, and that kind of stuff? Well, that's exactly how to think about it. Uh, what are the other things happening in expressions of this game and where, how is yours different? Uh, And this is, I, you know, even when I applied for the job, I immediately started thinking about uh, this factor, you know, this factor and, and what is special about magic online, knowing that wizards has arena that they're moving forward with, but, uh, and they, you know, the paper game is strong. um, But what, is Magic Online providing? And so when you break that down, the first and foremost depth of catalog, right? There's no digital expression of Magic that has the card catalog depth of Magic Online. Uh, it's kind of insane. I, I mean, it goes back to 2001, it, am I right? Is it, or is it yeah, 2000? Uh, it, it, uh, I mean, the, the, well, it launched in, I think, 2002, but it was in beta in 2001. And uh, the, but it's, it has 
basically, I mean, it doesn't have 100% of cards. It doesn't have dexterity cards, uh, anti-cards, and, uh, you know, experientially problematic cards like, uh, you know, uh, oh, I might even does have, do we have the extra turn or extra game one? Anyway, right. the point is there's these, you know, there, the, and there's, a, you know, there's a list. There's people, you know, there are, there are champions of just basically every card in Magic, you know. So, uh, uh, the, believe me, the ones we don't have, uh, people let us know. Right. And, we, and they're on our list. Uh, but we have a mo- the most complete catalog of functioning magic cards in digital magic. Uh, that's that's why the, you know that's the where it all starts is that depth of catalog, and what does that lead to in terms of the pillars of what we offer to the community that can't be uh, offered elsewhere? Primarily, it's uh, I, I see it as a three pillar thing. We have uh, eternal formats that are uh, paper accurate or close to paper. In, in a sense, the tail is wagging the dog on a lot of these eternal formats now in the sense that um, they get their most play on Magic Online. So even if the if the paper version of Legacy has card X that Magic Online doesn't have yet, it's almost like the more real Legacy is still the Magic Online one just because it's what gets played most. That's not it. I'm not saying we want all the cards. Like truly, because eternal formats are one of the pillars... I've uh, said it internally, and I'll say it out externally. A, a parity with the paper format is a priority. It's not something we can always meet, but it's always a priority. We understand that uh, that the farther we slip out of uh, uh, paper authenticity, the less good people feel about the format they're playing, and we don't want that. You know, so of course uh, we are looking to get. The, that Venn diagram of paper versus Magic Online uh, format readiness to be an overlap, but it's probably never going to happen, but it's always a priority to get it as close as right. possible. I mean, when you think about like legacy, that's harder. Vintage, it's harder, right? But with modern and pioneer, it's pretty easy to have them be a perfect circle. I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's really anything. I, I can't think of anything that's missing for Magic Online for either one of those. Yeah, I, I don't wrong, think so. Yeah, it's it's really it's Commander Legacy and Vintage that have uh, uh, fans who wish certain cards were were available to them. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, it's almost preservation in that sense because it's like some of those things are never going to be accessible to people. Like vintage is never going to be accessible to most people, especially at a competitive level. Legacy much more frequently than it used to be. So, I mean, that's that's an interesting way to think about it for sure. So that first pillar. Exactly. That We effectively are those formats because we are the way in which they are accessible, right. in which uh, people who haven't been collecting cards since 93 can can play. Uh, and uh, the other, another card catalog depth uh, win is our ability to do boutique limited. Of course, Vintage Cube is the crown jewel of that, uh, but the depth of cards means that uh, you can do all sorts of cube themes and uh, dip way into the past for for, for lots of nostalgic cards. Uh, and that is another huge pillar, the the specialty limited. And the not only cube, but like uh, the ability to flashback popular formats uh, of old. Like we just had uh, uh, Invasion, you know, IPA draft. Right. Uh, and that's, I, I don't care if, <laughs> I, I that's never going to be on Arena, right? Like yeah. I, mean, I should never say never, but. Uh, Almost certainly. I just Ryan. don't think that will yeah. ever be a goal for them yeah. to, to, to offer that as an authentic draft form. It doesn't make any sense to me for them to right. ever work towards getting to that place but we're already there right. so we get to we get to offer these truly authentic um, uh, retro formats in limited as well uh, and that's exciting and then of course commander 
uh, commander being the third part, third pillar of the card catalog depth and what it enables us to offer the magic community. And, uh, in, and commander has the bonus of the three plus player magic as well. Mm -hmm. I, I bristle against calling three plus player magic multiplayer (laughs) (laughs) multiplayer is two. Right. That's true. (laughs) Uh, It's still two. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, three plus player magic, uh, commander is another place that I don't see, uh, arena heading towards anytime soon, uh, at least not in any kind of full featured, uh, full catalog commander level. No so, yeah. uh, those are the pillars that we have to offer the community. And that has dictated the priorities we have in, in figuring out our, our roadmap. Brian, when you talk about the the tail leading the dog, though, um, in terms of trying to match paper to the online experience, does that include bug fixes as well? I, I feel like a recent example is Archfiend of the Dross with metamorphic alteration. For a while, that wasn't working on MTGO. I think recently that was finally fixed. Is it, it was part of that motivated by the fact that we're, see, we're seeing that combo appear in paper more frequently and we need to mimic that online as well? For sure. The, the, I mean, the, if a card doesn't work in the forest and there's nobody there to play it, does it, <laughs> right. Does it above, yeah. you know? it's a totally fair <laughs> question. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's like, uh, so yes, the, the magic is driven by the playability of its card objects, right? The, the, the that's what our, we all, you know, what does that do? Right. I want it, you know? And when players decide that, they want this and we don't have it for them. Yeah, it absolutely rises to the, to the top of the queue. And it's uh, it's a never ending whack-a-mole of, uh, of bugs because you're constantly introducing new complications. Right. Every, every set, every set is a new complication that has to work with 30,000 prior yeah. parts. And it's, uh, it's almost impossible not to introduce some unexpected behaviors and unwanted behaviors. And we do fast follows. We, uh, we flip stuff around real quick when, uh, when it's a new set, but we do, yeah, we, there's a backlog and, and people can, uh, vote on it. You know, we have uh, forums now, the, the day, daybreak has set up forums and discord, uh, for magic online, and you can, uh, give a voice to what you think ought to be fixed next, you know, on the card list, uh, in those spaces. So we are listening to players on that front, uh, both their words and the behaviors and of course, tournament reports as well. Yeah. It's like, Oh geez, this card is on the rise and it's not working for us. And honestly, our players, you know, are not shy about letting us know exactly what they want, which is great. It's, it's, it's helpful. Uh, but that just means that as soon as a card starts to rise that way, we do hear about yeah. it. Like, cause players are very keen to let us know as soon as something is becoming, uh, relevant, like uh, Minsk and Boo, we didn't have for a while. Right. And like, uh, we heard, we heard about that right away and it immediately became a priority. Uh, but, uh, it's uh, it's tough because you you yeah you're aiming for parity, but you only have so many card engineers and so much time and so and and some some things are just more difficult to fix than others, right? So it's all a calculus that leads to hopefully this steady uh, pace of of fixed cards and yeah. addresses. I mean, I can't even imagine the complexity of even designing one single card that works right in Magic. You know, I I, I work on websites. Like I'm a I'm a creative director, graphic design background person i don't do development but like even knowing how hard it is to just get like parallax animation to work right on a scroll on a website i'm lurking working on like that doesn't interact with anything that doesn't 
you know, change states based on what something else does to it. I can't even imagine. I'm sure there's, you know, over time, there's a system for certain interactions, but like, that's wild. I mean, every single card is like a tiny, you know, cog that has to do several different things and has to change based on other things. So I, I can't even imagine how hard that is for the developers to, to do. And, and obviously some are more, some are easier than others. And that's a, that's a lesson we've learned over the years and, and where communication between digital and, uh, and paper had gotten a lot better during my time at wizards and, and his is still pretty good now. Although, you know, paper still is dictates like the, the you said you, you, when you have concerns as the digital player, you let the team know, and they're very, there's a lot of back and forth between uh, the digital game, the digital magic makers and the paper magic makers and the paper magic makers to, to be fair, are generally very accommodating and are really working to, uh, uh, refactor things so that they're more codable, right? Uh, to, so that they still get what they want, but we get a thing that's more codable. And so that's a key uh, conversation that happens basically every set. We, we hear sometimes from the Wizards people that sets take two to three years to design. At what point in that timeline does digital teams, either Arena or MTGO, start making things work online for what's to come in the future? There is a, I mean, Rather than try to name a time, like a number of weeks or whatever, I will say that that you, there is this tipping point. But you, you've identified a very important thing. If you go, if you take early design mm -hmm. ideas and bring them to digital and say we are thinking about this or we're heading towards this, but you're not fully committed, you're using up a bunch of time uh, to put a bunch of stuff into people's brains and ask them to think about it and consider it. And if you then immediately throw mm -hmm. that out and move and do something else, then <laughs> you've wasted a bunch of valuable time resources, uh, with the people who, who make the game. And so the, the designers are trying to bring it to digital when they're, uh, pretty, they feel pretty darn good uh, that they, that this is where they want to go with things. Uh, but it's still changeable. You know, there's, they can still really adjust things if uh, if there's strong pushback. And that's really the sweet spot to get digital involved, uh, to give the most early warning for problematic uh, areas while uh, not randomizing people with things right. that don't matter yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's a classic problem. Is there is there a gap between... Now, I'm sure that, you know... Arena and Magic Online, not equivalent. I'm sure they build things totally differently. But is there a, a gap between yeah. things that are um, implementable on Magic Online and Arena that is something that you all have to be aware of? Or is it generally like, hey, if the Arena team thinks it's implementable, then we can also do it too? It's pretty close, but okay. no, they're different systems, right? Yeah, they are different rules engines and uh, different code bases and different challenges, You know how it interacts with the UI and that kind of thing. So... I would say overall, it tends to be in a similar space, but there are individual cards uh, and individual mechanics where it's like, oh, that's easy for them and hard for us or, or vice versa. That does happen. Interesting. Or easier or harder or not. I'm sure. It's usually yeah, nothing's not easy. super extreme, you know? Right. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about some of the, the changes that Daybreak is forecasting to implement and, and even the one that we know is coming soonest, which is two-factor authorization. Um, something that you guys announced at least six months ago, maybe more. That's uh, yeah, I actually brought up the article because I know we had mentioned stuff. It looks like in uh, October 11th, 2022, there's a State of Magic Online Transition to Daybreak article on uh, mtgo.com. You can all check out. I'll even throw it in our chat here. So if you want to share it with people, you can. Uh, but this is 
where we were at at that point in time. Things are a little different now, not too much, but I'll talk to that. Um, and yeah, so the in this article, I laid out uh, some goals for Magic Online that, uh, kind of, like I say, relate to some of these awarenesses of our competitive advantages. But number one was multi-factor authentication or two-factor authentication. We ended up calling it. Like, it it's technically multi-factor, in, in, but I think people just mostly get what, you know, we're only offering two. So, uh, you know, you, uh, you get to pick uh, your username, password, and then one of these new ones. Uh, but that was a, a thing that uh, players have wanted for a long time. And, uh, and we internally, we've wanted a long time. And this is a game in which you can trade game objects uh, player to player. And when you have game objects that can be traded player to player, you really owe it to those players to give them some extra layer of security uh, from having their accounts taken over. And and it's all and look and because it, it happens, you know, and it happens publicly. You know, people complain about it on Twitter, and it, it's and it doesn't matter if it's not our fault. Like it's not, we didn't make your path. It's like, that doesn't matter. The point right. is you're, we're not providing the tools uh, for a, a sense of security and a, and a feeling like I have another layer here. And and now we do, and it's great. And, it, and it's a good, uh, it's a good tool. And now when people go to customer service and they, they get helped with these types of issues, they can immediately be told and now put on <laughs> two factor. And, uh, and it's just a good peace of mind. And, um, it was also a nice uh, place to start. We have, um, like I say, we, we did lose some engineers uh, in the in the course of the transition, so we were running a little low on uh, on on person hours, and we have we're growing in the team again, which is great. You can also check uh, awesome. uh, there's job listings. We've made hirings. We're we're building back up to full strength so that we can get all this stuff done, and uh, uh, but the. At the time, uh, we needed to get creative, and we have kind of a sister studio that is uh, Daybreak has a sister studio that had some uh, available resources, uh, dev resources to basically apply towards Magic Online, uh, and uh, we felt this was a perfect first project for uh, external developers who are not as familiar with the code base as uh, as our internal team because it's not a this is not a magic feature right it's a it's a known well understood globally offered uh, tech feature and uh, so it was a great place to start in onboarding uh, new devs and and um, it was really one guy and he crushed it thanks Kaylee. oh cool so you can all, you can all thank Kaylee for, for thanks Kaylee. killer work I appreciate um, it yeah and so that's exciting too to to see talented uh, engineers coming on board and and help making this game better like immediately. So uh, it's a very exciting uh, time and a, a great first step on that roadmap. The next one on my list uh, in the article was uh, improved metrics and tools. And this is super not exciting to you all. I'm sorry. It might be if you're into tools and, and metrics, it may be. But for the average Magic player, you're like, but that's not the thing I want. <laughs> I wanted. And I just have to tell you, like, this is a game that needs some serious refactoring in certain areas, or it's, we need to, you know, it's emergency time. Like the, the, Mm. the, another one of my analogies for the, for, for uh, working on any game as a service, but especially magic online is the grommet train Uh, in Wallace and grommet, the wrong trousers. Grommet is on the front of a toy train uh, that has no tracks in front of it, but he's got a box of tracks. 
<laughs> and he's sitting right. on the front of the train, throwing down track ahead of it. And that's the kind of mode you can get into on a on a game as a service because you just it, the train never stops. And job number one is to make sure track is in front of the train. Right. Uh, and so it has been a, a you know, but the the train is falling apart in some places, uh, right. you know, like, and we need it just, we need to fix it. And we are, and that's, and I'm so excited about it. like for me internally, I'm like, yes, we're going to take care of some of these issues that make it so hard to make this game. Right. And that's the, yeah. so that, so as the <laughs> oh, rocket approves, I guess, I'll rock uh, it. That's, yeah. as we, uh, sorry, a little rocket distract has <laughs> derailed no my brain a little bit. Uh, speaking of trains, um, so anyway, uh, now that uh, we are re, you know getting our engineering team up, we can we can uh, focus on these issues and focus on infrastructure, making sure the train is solid, so that then we can do all add cars and do all this great stuff that we want to do to make this the the experience that everybody wants. Uh, but we need to um, uh, tighten the ship. And then, uh, and also understand, get some visibility. There's there's two layers of the data. Like when I talk about uh, metrics, right? We lost a lot of metric visibility in the transition because the that was part of the capillary hookup, right? So mm. like we're still kind of reconnecting data and metrics on on the daybreak side, and they are essential to making sure that we are doing the right things moving forward. Uh, getting visibility into uh, things that have historically not been part of the data hooks of Magic Online are going to help us uh, make sure we're doing the right things and measure them and uh, watch player behavior and learn from it in ways that we just don't do right now. That's uh, awesome. And so it's not as a, it's not as exciting maybe as a, as a feature that would affect your gameplay directly. But uh, I hope you're excited that that we're that the ship is getting the 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 nice up overhaul that it needs to uh, to stay afloat for a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, if you think about our perspective too, you know, our, we're a podcast mostly focused on modern, and then Pioneer is kind of second for us. So we're in that middle space, right? As as modern becomes more and more of an elder format in some ways, like like you said, it's going to live on Magic Online. There's more games played of modern on Magic Online than anywhere else. I play Magic Online many times more than I play paper at this point in time. So that's awesome to hear that you guys are thinking about the big kind of like infrastructure make maybe improving you know I, I guess the thing i would would ask is are there a couple of things that like from player experience perspective is it also kind of like well you know magic online is sort of uh infamous for crashing sometimes on certain people's systems like is this the type of stuff that you're seeing if you can fix and how to fix and that kind of stuff yeah or, or right? like Exactly. Or, or I mean, a, a very simple example of, of the type of thing I'm talking about. This is getting a little in the weeds, but if you want to know how the sausage is made, it's like there's a lot of new f frames in, in Magic, right? So, like, it's almost like it's a selling point now. Every new set has five new frame types that the game has never had before. And each of those is a lot of work because of how the, f the system currently works, right? You, you set up a 
you know, Magic Online builds cards, right? And, a, and the frame is one of the elements of that build. And it ha happens to be one of the places where we are losing ground on like the size battle, you know, like it, when, oh, when you, the size, when you, just the size of the application. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, and people have noticed that too, that it's been getting, that it's been getting bigger. And it's like, yeah, because of the way we do frames and because of the huge volume of frames that they're just kind of dumping now, uh, like it's, it's noticeable. And so a frame refactor, changing the way the frame system works so that it doesn't cause that drain on that particular resource is just mission critical. Like it's not, we're, we're going to, it's going to get worse and worse until we grind to a halt if we just pretend that it's not a problem. Right. And so again, a little in the weeds, but that's like, that's the type of thing that when you have a 20 year old game, you're living with systems that were designed, created and coded decades ago. And, uh, and, when you're on, when you're grommet on the front of the train, and priority one is getting the next track down, you don't, you, you never get back there and refactor the, the 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 frame system, you know. But there's some things that are just coming to a head that must be dealt with, and like that's one of them. And and there's a couple other things in that vein that just need to be addressed. Yeah, that's a fantastic. Yeah, thank you so much for the example. I think that's a fantastic, uh, understandable way to think about that. And I think it's the type of thing the average player like wouldn't think to consider either. Because to me, a layman, like I would just assume like, oh, it's like a PNG or whatever. But clearly, it's so much more than that. And you're and you're a lot like me. I've I've said that uh, you know I've been a game designer and in games for for decades now, and I've spent my entire career in a trust fall with my engineers. You know, you right. I've given up pretending that I'm gonna be able to figure out ahead of time what's hard and what's easy when it comes to code. I, I'm not a coder. I don't know. And I'm constantly surprised to the point that I'm now never surprised. I'm just like, just tell me. <laughs> I, yeah. I have no expectations. Please just let, like, let me know if this is an easy one or a hard one. <laughs> yeah. like, That's exactly how it is for me on the web too. Or I've been doing that for a long time too. And it's like, I, I don't know. Like my junior designers who ask me all the time, all right, I want to do this thing on the site we're working on. And they're like, is it, is it going to be easy for dev or not? And I'm like, <laughs> That question is so difficult yeah, that, and it depends on so many things <laughs> that we don't understand. And like, just let's concentrate on the experience and what we want to share with people. And then, you know, we'll figure out if we can do it on dev or not. And like you said, without distracting people from their important, important jobs too. Right. And not, not only is that a question for devs, but if you ask five, you'll get six answers. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. What else do you think is on the roadmap? Uh, like, are there other things that are kind of coming up for you all when you think about okay, tactical things we're thinking about on Magic Online, other than you know two factor and kind of this infrastructure stuff we've talked about? Yeah, and the, so in the article that like I'll just say like so the the three, four, five, and six are play rewards, battlefield automation, onboarding, and commander update, and that's where things have shifted a little bit. Um, play rewards still working on. You know, there's other there's I was hoping that would be less um, coding intensive, but it but it's not it is coding. Intense, so like I can't it's not it's not low hanging, as we would say. Uh, so like I say, as it, while the engineers need to be focused on under the hood stuff, uh, Tony Mayer, the product manager and, and myself have a mindset of like, what are we what can we do uh, that doesn't need engineers uh, to to execute? And really, it's the so, so what we've been doing in parallel uh, to these uh, under the hood efforts is trying to think about um, 
we're good at collations, for example. So we can we can get uh, creative with cubes. I mean, I did a big cube update partly because it was you know, I could. <laughs> it's like we're very good at that. I don't need an engineer to change a lot of uh, cards in a cube. Um, but the in it's not about no dev, it's about low dev. So like, here's something, I, I can't give you a date yet, but I can tell you that I did submit the final detail. Like there were some final things we were hammering out. It's basically done, but hammering out and it needs QA and stuff. So we don't have a, a launch date yet, but we are uh, almost done with uh, Freeform Commander as a, as a new format offering. So Freeform, Freeform is a format that Magic Online has had forever. It's basically low rules deck building the, the there's no four of one of you know you can put you can have uh, uh all lightning bolt deck if you wanted uh and it's which i a, do by the way yeah right. all the, that doesn't like literally 40 lightning bolts for whatever probably doesn't do right. much for you but right. <laughs> it does a lot for me uh, but, personally but, but you not could, yeah that's true I, yeah. I don't know who you know it's you, you, <laughs> whatever floats your boat man uh and uh so that's a so but freeform is a play like primarily it's just so one thing so people can play draft decks right you can take you can take your draft deck in there and play it because it doesn't care about your sideboard size or your deck size right to an extent um, but it doesn't have a command zone so there's all of these uh, cool paper formats that use the command zone in some form or another that conceivably could be played on Magic Online but there's no uh, rules enforcement for the deck building. So, and there's no free form with a command zone where I can agree with my friend that we're going to play with this rule set, right? So we're adding free form uh, commander so that you could try tiny leaders. You could try, you can even, we even have it set so you can do uh, Oathbreaker. Uh, mm -hmm. Like you, you can put cards in the Multiple command zone things. that aren't yeah. legends and aren't creatures, you know? Um, That's and, cool. Yeah. And so now, of course, uh, if you don't, come up with your subset of rules that you agree to with your opponent, it's a degenerate format that's, uh, you know, not fun, but that's not the point. Right. It's the point. The, the point is to create a sandbox where two people can agree on the subset of deck construction rules they're using. And uh, by having a command zone for that, uh, unlock tons of, of formats. Uh, like you couldn't play, like we, it doesn't, have, like, even though it's a command freeform commander, it doesn't do the one of, uh, and why? It's so that you can take your Commander Legends draft deck that you drafted two copies of the same card and uh, and still play it uh, after the fact, that kind of thing. Um, so that's an example of, of kind of low dev thing where we can really offer, you know, with a little bit of work, but not too much, turn on a ton of formats that were not previously available to, to people. And, and again, in the space that nobody else can provide them. So uh, we... Uh, we are really want to lean into those spaces where we're offering something unique to the community. And that's a good example of that too. Um, we are also another place where we can make some tweaks without a lot of dev work. And it, it's, it's really, it's number five on my goals list, but it's really risen up to kind of be the, the next thing really for, for design for me. And that's the, uh, the onboarding experience for new players. Uh, one of the, Overall things that we need to do for Magic Online is grow the player base, right? Uh, we need to attract new players and keep the players we have so that uh, it grows. And 
Uh, so again, once again, even though if, if you've been playing for 20 years, maybe you're like, the last thing I need is a new player experience, but you do need it because you need new players. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we want to make sure that, that when people uh, tr- give our game a try, that it's stickier, that they, they stick with us. And, and anybody, and you, you know, I don't know when the last time you thought about what it is to be a brand new player to Magic Online, but it's not friendly. Uh, it, it really is a, it's a, it's a game about catering to people, the already converted, uh, you're here because you already love magic. We, we rarely get people or we rarely get people to stay who don't already love magic. And, uh, and we lose a lot of people who do love magic, um, because there's just not a lot of direction and handholding, uh, in the, in the first experience. And, uh, there's, we, I want to overhaul the, uh, where we direct people to play at, at start. Cause right now we have a, uh, a new player area. You know, you can, when you upgrade your account, you get some new player points that can be used for these separate queues. And then they pay out some new, more new player points and you can st- stay around in there. My huge issue with that is twofold, two huge issues. Um, First, uh, it encourages you to stay separate from the main game. Like the, the, the game's happening over here and we've created this new player space over here that can only be played by people with new player points. And so the queues are affected by how many new players are around with new player points. And then we give you new player points as a reward, which kind of encourages you to stay there instead of like graduating. And uh, so, so it encourages you to stay there instead of graduating and it isolates you from the rest of the magic online playing community. And so what, what we can do for that experience that doesn't require a ton of dev is move it towards uh, a format where uh, we can have uh, multiple that you can enter with new player points or with regular points. And there's something in it for everybody. It's not just about new players and uh, the the current thinking things could always change so i'll say current thinking when i'm sitting this is not nailed down or whatever but the current thinking is uh, that the jumpstart should be a new player experience uh and but we can do it we can do it with uh our special brand of it you know our depth of catalog we can do a custom jumpstart that appeals to both uh experienced players because we can put lots of cool amazing iconic stuff in it uh, and then, but it appeals to new players and we give them the ability to, to play in and we don't reward them with more new player points. You get, <laughs> you know, we get you in the rest of the economy and, and join. Um, and that's, that's kind of, and a lot of it falls out from there. And this is where, this is where I'm in kind of in mid design basically, but I see that as a, um, uh, a place that also then ties into player play rewards, right? Like one of the things on my list is that the modern gamer expects and understandably like, you know, what do I get from, from in this, this experience uh, besides just the fun of the game? Like what, what rewards do I get for winning today? You know, and uh, it's harder for magic online to do that. Like games arena is just one example. Many, many games do this kind of thing right now. Right. And that's why it is somewhat of an expectation, but most of the games that do it are closed economies. You, 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 you can't, trade stuff off of your account. So it's much harder for Magic Online to just give stuff to people for playing uh, because if you can turn around and trade it, uh, then we have to take that into account and it suddenly has this value 
that uh, is outsized for what the uh, the system can bear, right? Whereas when you can say, "Oh, sure, here's a cosmetic, here's a thing, here's a here's a card, even," but you can't trade it, that's much safer for for uh, games that have that going on. Nonetheless, there are things we can do there to uh, attract players back to 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 make you think, "Oh, yeah, right. If I go play Magic Online today, I can get that." or work towards that thing at least. And so I really want some of that uh, in, and we will probably tie that into the new player queue. How to, you know, like uh, play in this, uh, uh, play in the, I don't even call it a new player queue because that makes it sound like something that you don't want to do. Right. But look at this jump, this super jump. Queue. Jumpstart queue. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, yeah. like this jumpstart with power, right? Like, right. like that seems cool. Like I want to go do that. Yeah. And, um, and so that's what we want to accomplish is, is getting, uh, existing players excited about participating in the experiences we're pointing new players at so that they, uh, to the extent that people do chat and are nice to each other online, it does happen. I swear I've made so many friends on magic <laughs> online because they're nice and they say, Hey, and you know, you, you talk. Uh, and so like giving uh, new players a chance to meet uh, existing players and, and have that sense of community is, is, is important. And that's the kind of thing we can get done uh, without hopefully heavy dev, um, right. But then well, there sure is that there's stuff you're yeah. thinking about here on both of those things too, Ryan, with, you know, whether it's play rewards or, or new players, you know, the things that you're thinking about in the ecosystem too. And I think it's important for everybody to realize is that the game is not just the game, right? Like there's also the community part that you want to manage. And I'm, some of that new player onboarding experience, maybe you're thinking about things like the website, or you're thinking about the discord, or you're thinking about how do we appeal to people who are interested in magic but maybe don't play paper, but maybe want to check it out and they don't, you know, like, so there's, there's lots of, it's a, it's a, it's a more complicated problem than just like making the game within the space of the game. Amazing. There's also all the stuff that attaches to it to support the community of people that play it. Right. So I'm sure there's some of those, those hookups going on, even if you're kind of like, Hey, you know, I'm just brainstorming here now where it's kind of like, we have a discord for magic online. We have some people who want to run tournaments for fun in there, like helping people or, you know, like there's stuff like that that can happen that's not even on the platform that just people go and do and have fun with, but use the platform to have fun, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so many, like uh, that's in the Vintage Cube, for example, I'm trying, I'm still, it's been great to get feedback from players directly in Discord. Uh, if anybody uh, listening or watching is, has has communicated with me on Discord about uh, Vintage Cube, thank you. Really appreciate you taking that time. Uh, and I'm looking at, I want to try to find uh, ways to more uh, de more deliberately and accurately like measure players' opinions about certain cube things. Like, uh, you know, in and out, like what kind of uh, emoji, emoji voting system can we do in Discord on, you know, here's a card, should it be in or out, you know, and then people emoji vote or that kind of thing. So these are the types of ideas I'm exploring to get the community more involved in, uh, in the decision making and making sure that the community knows they're being heard and have an avenue to be heard uh, if they've got something to say. Yeah, awesome. I think this could be a great time to transition to a topic we've alluded to a couple times, which is the economy. Because the MTGO economy is unique from any other online game I've played. And I think that's something that players like both have to learn how to manage. Sometimes they have to learn how to grapple with it. And we've seen a lot of services a cottage industry emerged to sort of help kind of grease those wheels even so you know for instance mtgo has the occasional all access passes we also have mana traders is there you know a, a potential future where 
all access becomes evergreen? Do you see managed traders as a critical part of the economy that you don't necessarily want to create possible friction there? How do you think about the economy as a creative director? Uh, well, it's it's a it's a team effort to assess the economy right now with uh, myself and Tony and and our uh, EP Sarah and uh, and the, the team in general. But it is a complicated beast for sure. Uh, one to let's see to your first question was uh, is all access something that you know could become evergreen or permanent. Uh, sure, everything's on the table. Like we're we're considering all this type of stuff, but we're considering it so 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 carefully because this is an economy that has spent twenty years settling into place and getting comfortable and familiar and understood. And uh, when you talk about offering, not needing cards, not needing to collect to be able to play, uh, it's appealing obviously when we were doing it, uh, but it's an impact to the economy that has to be taken uh, with extreme caution. And so in a sense, the uh, the all access things we're doing now are informing those discussions, you know, informing our understanding of its effect on the economy and what a world could look like in which uh, we were there was always a way to be able to participate in a thing without necessarily having all the cards right now. Um, that's very valuable to me. I mean, one thing I've said uh, internally a lot, and I'll say here to you is that I, there's really only four things I want players doing on Magic Online. Building decks, drafting, playing, or socializing. If you're doing one of those four things, great. That's that's great. Anything else you're doing is a means to one of those other things, and I want it to be as painless as possible. Um, and so that's my mentality about where to take the economy in terms of those types of factors. I really think we uh, we really want to get people out of, uh, and also trade is so daunting, right? Like, I mean, uh, <laughs> the trade interface is, yeah, that was one of the wildest things to me when I first played magic online, you know, to, back in 2008, I was like, wow, we go and we trade and we got to figure out how that works. I mean, yeah, it's daunting. It is daunting. And, you know, and, and to that point, I would say, um, I'll, I'll pull it back and talk about game design more in the abstract. I've, I've spent most of my career as a systems designer. And you design your systems and you unleash them on the players and they engage with them. And when players engage with systems in ways you didn't expect, and they do it to accomplish things that they want accomplished that you weren't providing for them, that's kind of your roadmap. Uh, your players are showing you, not just telling you, they're showing you what they want. Uh, and, uh, and when other people step in and say, uh, we can help people get what they want, and that's successful, that's that's a, a message as well. So again, uh, I want players to have the deck they want ready to play ASAP. That's my, <laughs> that's my fundamental bottom line. And I would, I'm not gonna do, and we're not gonna do, anything that makes that worse. <laughs> you know, we, we want to we find ways uh, to make that better and we're not going to do anything rash uh, to make that worse. And uh, uh, 
to the extent that there are uh, systems and, and people doing things to uh, fill gaps in our offerings, that again, is just lessons for us uh, on, on what we need to be doing. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously there's tons for you to figure out there. Everything, like you said, everything's on the table, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you know. But yeah, I, I trade, it's not even on my goals article list because it is such a, an undertaking. Uh, but it's also part of the unique thing. You know, I've, I've been drumbeating our, our, our competitive advantages. And you could argue that peer to peer object trading is a competitive advantage. Not, uh, there's not other games that really have it. I don't think of it as much of one because of the, uh, how difficult it is to to use in its current state. I think I think it could become one <laughs> if it were if it were, if it had less friction on the system. I would think of it as more of an advantage. As it is, I think of it as a, as a problem to solve. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to to think about magic in the context. I mean, we have one that's not a trading card game. Arena is a version of magic that is not a trading card game, but. I mean, magic fundamentally, when it comes to paper, it's it's hooked into some kind of economic system, and you know, Magic Online was built to be a reflection of paper, and so so it is, right? And that, yeah. that's that's where we're at still. Yeah, and the, the, the and one of our challenges is to uh, break that mindset uh, and and not feel like that that is the that that's the fundamental operating principle of Magic Online is that we should be like a game store, right? It's Got like. It. That's not the goal uh, right. that we that we can be is uh, a nice tool, uh, and, you know, but it's incorrect to face every issue with what would a game store do? And then like, right. try to do that Magic Online style. But it's a good question to ask, what would a game store do? But then you ask if that's right for Magic Online. You don't just assume it is because we are the digital game store or whatever. Right. So and, and it's like the there's just lessons everywhere, you know, that, like a lot of people. Uh, I, I saw one or two comments in the world that were worried about me taking over Magic Online and taking over. That's a <laughs> that's a that's being, a hubris filled statement. Yeah, joining Magic Online leadership. People were worried about that uh, because oh, he's going to make it arena. And first of all, like if you could just make Magic Online arena, that's what Wizards would have done. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but the. Uh, I don't know what that means. I don't. I, I can sense the fear there. I think there, mm -hmm. but I don't understand the fear because it's not articulated. You're saying you're afraid of something, but it's abstractly. I'm afraid that it'll be like arena, but like what part? And I, and there are some things like I know, for example, uh, arena has inherent information leaks uh, due to the auto passing, right? Like uh, if you are on top of it and the game pauses, I know that you've got a. Uh, a one mana instant because you had a single planes up in a draft format with nothing free, no convoke. So, you know, that's it. You've got it, right. That is the type of thing I think players are, are worried about like that, or uh, maybe that will like that best of one will take over or something. I mean, we did try some best of one, but like, that's, that's just smart. If to be honest, um, like, I mean, we're not even doing it uh, anymore. Like we're, it, cause, cause we, cause you all told us, but we need to ask, you know, you've got to ask like part of, uh, design and, and uh, running a, a game and, and managing a game like this is um, taking a swing, throwing it out there and letting players vote uh, with their actions. And uh, so uh, there were people who reacted to the even the existence of best of one on Magic Online is blasphemy. But it's like, look, uh, I needed to look at the fact that best of one is wildly popular on Arena. It is the dominant way people play that. So 
uh, it's an important question then to ask the Magic Online community, do you want this too? And we did. We asked that question, but don't freak out because <laughs> we're asking questions. All you need to do is vote with your behavior and we're, we're paying attention and, and we'll, we'll hear you loud and clear if you say uh, uh, that you don't want it as a, as a collective group. And if you say as an individual, I don't want it, and then we keep offering it, other people have said they want it. Hopefully we haven't taken anything away from you and whatever you love about your Magic Online experience is still there for you. We're trying to be additive and not uh, take anything away. Uh, but queue health is, is tough. You can't just willy-nilly add new uh, queues to your game because you add wait time uh, to every, every one of your experiences with every new one that you pile on. So it's a, it's a careful dance, which is why we didn't just like add best of one forever. It's just like, let's do some test balloons here and see, right? So do I want to make Magic Online like Arena? Only in the ways where Arena has shown the world how to do digital magic better. I mean, and there, that's, a, that's just learning lessons from others, which is a valuable thing to do. Um, so I have no intentions on making Magic Online Arena. I don't even know what that means, but I have full intention to continue to look at what other people are doing in the magic space and trying to learn from that and apply that to Magic Online, yeah. That's awesome. And, you know, I think when people, you know, when Arena was first announced, people got scared really quickly that Magic Online was just going to fade away, right? And I think that it's been a number of years now. You know, I mean, we had cards cards prices on Magic Online crash during that time just from news. You know, it's like it was kind of some kind of speculation, you know, and um, I think that it's clear, you know, there's a team dedicated to making Magic Online great, making it be what it's good at and making sure that there's a place for players who care about the things that Magic Online is good at, that they have a place to play the game that they want to. And that's that's kind of the best the best that we could hope for, right, at, at this point in time, because it's it's, yeah, so... You, Ryan, you alluded a couple times to limited engagement, engagement in the limited format, limited formats, as something that you know you want to drive more of. And I, you know, knowing you, I feel like part of that might come from you being a lover of limited. And as you may know, we come from the perspective of lovers of constructed, and that's primarily how we engage with MTGO. I'm curious, is there, in terms of the KPIs of MTGO success internally, are different formats weighted differently? Do you pay attention to like how many people are playing modern Pioneer Legacy versus how many people are drafting? And do you have almost like initiatives to try to drive more people in one direction or the other? Uh, we are definitely paying attention to what people are playing. And we have all sorts of uh, little format decisions to make all the time. This is largely in, in uh, Tony Mayer's court. Uh, Tony's awesome. And he's uh, putting his brain towards this. Like he's obsessed with, with magic online. It's good for you all. Uh, That's good. And, and uh, he is really the one taking a look at uh, format numbers and slicing up for, you know, uh, competitive seasons. I mean, we haven't really touched on that, but again, you know, I've, I've talked about new players and, and getting them and, and uh, uh, commander and that kind of thing. But, and I've said that one of our pillars is eternal formats, but uh, you know, how, and it's like, well, cause a, cause they exist. Yes. But, uh, but 
where we want to innovate and continue to think is on the competitive level, right? Since this is, we have the competitive place for these formats. Um, that's a place where where Tony thinks a lot about what the right set of formats are. You know, we're going to do this mox thing coming up. What are the formats going to be? And we take a look at all so many things in the ecosystem. What is Wizards doing? Uh, what is you know because if uh, if if Wizards is making uh, the pinnacle of competitive magic a concern for a pioneer for the months of, you know, for this fall, cause it's going to be, you know, then we want to match that. Like we want to, to be a place where people can come and practice that, you know, so that, that drives those decisions. Um, population drives those decisions, things like, well, are we offering, we don't want to offer vintage and vintage cube in the same one, you know, so there's this delicate balance of, of representation of all these cool formats that we offer, but a recognition that they're not all equal, uh, that, that, uh, Modern is largely the most popular of our kind of unique formats, uh, but not 100% of the time. There are moments in time where something else overtakes it for a bit because of the pressures of, of what Wizards is laying out as the roadmap to competitive success on their end, right? Uh, so yeah, that all, all factors in. I think Stan has two more questions for you, and then then we, we will uh, we'll call it. Yes. All right. Well, you just, we, if, we, if we have more, you'll have to bring me back. Okay. <laughs> This is something that I will never forgive myself if I don't at least ask. Is there a universe where M2GO can run natively on a Macintosh so I can I can stop buying Windows machines once and for all? Um, not until we're on different tech. I mean, the, 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 the sad truth of it is that, I don't know if it's sad, just, let's just call it the truth of it, is <laughs> our technology forces our hand on certain decisions. And, you know, uh, for better or for worse, our uh, technology decisions were made long ago that make it virtually impossible and certainly impossible from a P&L business sensibility standpoint to undergo an effort to take this current experience and make it Mac native. That makes yeah. no sense and it will never happen. I'll tell you that right now. Never going to happen. However, this is kind of proof in the pudding time for us. Like this next year plus, to, you know, is is the existing Magic Online team who's made this transition over to Daybreak. It's kind of our chance to show Daybreak headquarters, Daybreak, the 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 umbrella company that is managing us, that this was a great decision. You're going to be thrilled that you've put money into this, and we're going to show you that you should put more money into this. And so. We do these things that I've laid out on the, the roadmap within the current tech and the current structure, and we grow our audience and we uh, make thing, the new experience better and players are sticking around. That is the type of thing that would give a parent company like Daybreak the confidence to make a huge multi-year investment in something like a complete overhaul of the foundational tech that this is built on. You know, uh, right. And I sure, that's, the, that's the plan. I, I, like uh, if, if I'm back here in some number of years from now and we're fist pumping native Mac clients, it's because things have gone so well that we were that we got the budget to really take that massive swing and uh, and get this game into effectively different tech because you know, yeah. you know Mac, Mac is not realistic 
in any shape or form on the current tech. Yeah, I mean, let's keep in mind, Magic Online came out right around the time the second generation of iMacs came out, I think, if we if we think about it that way. I mean, we're talking, you know, this is a time when people, nobody thought anybody was going to be gaming on a Mac in 2002. So like, you can understand how it ended up in, in this place. And also, I think that the other underlying thing, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, but, you know, if... You know, if you move the the game to a different foundational tech, it also enables a whole lot of other things for you to be able to do. And the Mac thing is probably just an offshoot of being able to do more stability, different things on the platform, other things oh, yeah. that are just come with Mac nativity is just a side win that you would get of, from this yeah. massive uh, project. But it is a it's it's a, it's almost redoing the game. Right. Uh, but 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 this is also where I am so not an engineer. Don't quote me on that, or I'll be, you can quote you can, or if you quote me, quote me on that part too. On the no, but, yeah. <laughs> on the on the that I that I'm that I'm not an engineer, uh, but the engineers I've talked to have have looked at that as a three to five year type project to to completely remake the game on a on a different engine technology that yeah. is not Windows based. I mean the 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 engine tech we're on has Windows in the name, and it, right. it's and it's not the right place to be. But here we are, and we can't just hop off because we don't like it. <laughs> so right. yeah. here we are. Well, hopefully it heartens you to know that your your technology is the reason I own a Dell. I'm, I'm like, I'm a marketing bro. <laughs> I, I like live and die by Macintosh. So like, I just need to play Magic Online. So. You're not far off from me. Uh, my first computer was a, a Mac Classic in uh, like, I got it in like 1989. Actually, my first computer was a Commodore 64. But my nice. first uh, uh, first computer that way was a, was a Mac. And I didn't get a PC until I was hired to work in the game industry for the first time. Uh, Sierra Online hired me to be wow. their documentation manager on the Hoyle line of uh, uh, casual gaming software. I basically spent most of my career transliterating tabletop physical games into digital experiences. And uh, uh, but yeah, the, the uh, I was working for a PC game company. I was like, oh, I guess I have to get a PC. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Trail lot, lost my train there. But yeah, it was just like, point is, I too, I, I feel you, Mac users. I, I was one until uh, for most of my computing career until I actually got into making video games. Uh, so I, I feel you, but that's the that's the harsh truth. It's not yeah. coming until we're so successful that we get to take a three to five year project to overhaul the entire uh, game. So the last piece I wanted to talk about, it actually just came to me while we were having this conversation and you were talking about building Freeform Commander. And it reminded me of... The sign-off you did with Marshall on your last LR appearance, where you sort of brainstormed slash talked about the possibilities of MTGO in, in, in terms of creative expression of card collation and whatnot. Um, so this actually, this is me pitching you an idea because I now have your ear. And it, it's it's inspired in part by things that I've heard within the Dive Down Discord, Magic Communities, and that's surrounding one of, I think, many Constructed Magic players' topics, favorite topics, and that's the band list. This is my pitch. MTGO should have a semi-official queue that plays with the band list. People will frequently say in modern that Twin should be unbanned. I feel like MTGO is uniquely positioned to kind of prove them right or wrong. And I wonder, maybe you can tell me now, like, 
what's that relationship like between Daybreak and and Wizards? Where do you have the freedom to do things like that? Where you kind of like experiment with existing formats? We can we can do whatever we want in that vein as long as we don't call it modern, right? You know, they, they're, they're, as long as we don't misrepresent what the format is, uh, we can we, we can we have full flexibility to do that kind of thing, and and we are thinking along those lines. I don't want to get too much into it because it's not uh, baked enough to uh, you know offer any kind of realistic detail at this point. But I'll say that. Um, we we do have design documents and things in in flight for systems that would offer that kind of uh, custom almost rotating format. You can imagine a uh, like imagine a queue. You you join, uh, but then uh, the the rule like week to week the rules could change, and so maybe uh-huh. twin is unbanned this week. Uh, but then uh, next week it's uh, it, it, something else changes about the format. So it become we could have a constantly uh, rotating format. The uh, it, It's about, I come back to Q Health though. Uh, you start getting excited about the, the, the different things that you can do, but you offer too many different things and then nobody's doing anything because everybody's waiting for somebody else to come do their thing. And yeah. uh, um, so we had to be careful about that. And that's why like we're, we're introducing uh, uh, this uh, freeform commander, but we're deprecating uh, commander one v one. So because commander one v one is a format uh, that w- that was effectively a subset of what this new format can offer. So we were able to at least take one away. It's mainly in the uh, the, the competitive queues, though, that you want to be really cons- concerned about that, where people are paying when I say competitive, right. where people are paying to play, you really need to be uh, concerned about uh, the pace at which it's firing. Uh, so that's, that's the, the cautionary tale about all of the ideas to try this, this, and this, and this, you got to do it a little bit at a time and, and switch it through, but that's definitely one, uh, we want to play around with. Uh, and again, it's one where we need to ask the players if it's really what they want. Um, cause I love, uh, theory crafting this kind of stuff in my head. Like that sign off was mainly a list of things that popped that came to me as I was working on the vintage cube is like, is, it was like, cause I would go, Oh, I wish I was like, oh, I write that down. You know? So it was like, it's just this list of ideas that came up in the course of, of working on it, you know? Uh, and it's, uh, it's been really fun though. I, I'm, I'm so, I'm glad to be back. It's like, it's so fun to be sparked by all that. And, uh, and I, I, I think, we're just going to keep asking players if it's what they want, you know? Cause like, yeah. I, I mean, I like the idea of the, like, cause yeah, we've theory crafted. It could be really fun to try, um, uh, see if uh, twin is unbannable in modern for a week, but you say that, but then w- if I offer that, are you going to go click that button? Um, right. Cause some people say one thing and then do differently. That's why I say like, that's why those data hooks are so important. Like we really need to be understanding what you all are doing because as wonderful as the discord and the forums are as a way to communicate directly in plain English to me about what you're thinking and feeling, nothing can replace the hard truth of we know where you clicked. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing replaces the truth. We've seen the heat maps. And so that's what dictates. That's the thing we're going to pay close attention to. And if you're worried about blasphemy or uh, that's not authentic or they must be crazy, take a breath. We're probably asking you a question and 
you can answer it by ignoring the thing. <laughs> we'll, we'll, hear it, we'll hear it loud and clear when you do not engage with it, right? That's awesome. Wow. Dave, any final burning questions? I don't think so. Just, uh, Ryan, thank you so much for your time. And I think, um, you know, everybody who's listening should feel really excited. I'm, I'm personally really excited that you're one of the people helping us make sure that Magic Online goes on into the next kind of era of magic. And so appreciate your hard work and, and everything like that, for sure. And appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. And I want to just call out the Magic Online team again. Uh, I, I come and do appearances and, and talk and, and try to speak for the team and everything, but we are so lucky to have the team behind the scenes doing the work they do to keep this train running and going. And, you know, I thought I was going to be coming in, for example, and doing a lot of uh, heavy uh, card implementation design, like UX of, I don't really need to, the team is so good at this now, they're, they they tell me, you know, <laughs> and, and also so many things are locked into play. But anyway, the, the, the Magic Online team is one of the most dedicated software teams I've ever worked with. You don't often get to love the game that you work on in the game industry. You're, you're often in a place where there's a lot of games that need to get made and you might not love it, but but code it, dang it. And, uh, and we have a team of talented people that love the game and it's been vital to making this transition even work. Uh, so thanks team. You all are great. And, uh, uh, it's easy for me to come out here and, and talk about stuff. Uh, but without the dedicated team at hard at work behind the scenes, we wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. They're, they're amazing. Thanks team. Here, here. Thanks, team. And thank you, Ryan. Really, this this exceeded all expectations. I was excited to have you on. and I'm so glad I came. It was a good chat. Uh, I know I know we're going to come up with each of us like uh, a bunch of stuff we wish you would ask slash said. So we just, we just have to follow up uh, with another another visit sometime soon. And anytime, you let us know if there's any any time we can help you uh, get some get some of your thoughts out to people. We're glad to glad to help with that. So yeah, maybe maybe uh, next time we, we have a good. Uh, Something cool we're launching. I'll come back on. That'd be awesome. We'll be your propaganda arm happily. (laughs) And that wraps up this week's show. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. So you get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. And if you use Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a rating and review. We will thank you on air. And if it is a noteworthy review, maybe we'll even mention some specific details that you say about us to pat our own back and make the listeners laugh. Show us how funny you really are. If you do want to submit a question to us, though, you can reach out via Twitter at The Dive Down, all one word. You can even email us, thedivedown at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, check out our Patreon over at patreon.com slash thedivedown and check out our store at thedivedown.com slash store. Also, shout out to Mana Traders for sponsoring The Dive Down. Sign up for Mana Traders using promo code thedivedown2023, all one word, to get 10% off your first two months of renting Magic Online cards. Also, get some amazing shaving soaps, body soaps, fragrances, and more from our friends at Barrister and Man using the Dive Down M23 promo code to get 15% off your first order from Barrister and Man. That's the Dive Down M23. And then save some money on paper cards from our friends at Nerd Rage Gaming with code DIVE8 for all of your orders over at Nerd Rage Gaming. As always, special thanks to the bands Nowhere in Space Blood for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and set up two-factor authorization!
What concert are you going to? Uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Hell yeah. Wow. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, they're playing a uh, three night. They're doing a three night stand at a, a random, you know, you know, like the you pick pumpkin patch and berry farm type places. Like sure. It's, yeah. It's that like they, they booked a place like that for three days and they're going to play th- three shows. And it's a band that uh, both I have a. Uh, my eldest is 22 and my youngest is going to be 21 this uh, fall. Wow. And um, I've by influencing their musical uh, listening over the years, I've, I got them there. Right. We like a lot of the same stuff. So I, I go to a lot of concerts and I'm mostly standing next to one of my kids when I am there. It's pretty great. That's, That's fantastic. Nice. I can't wait. My kids are seven and five. So I'm, uh, I'm trying but oh, we're, yeah. we're very you, much you in ways, like yeah. I, I I went I, I went I had the I had the mid childhood drought of uh, of con- live music and then uh, the pandemic turned it all off and then my kids grew up the pandemic ended and I'm going ham I went to sixty five shows last year and I'm on pace to beat it this year That's awesome Dude. Wow Amazing. Cool dad Cool dad in the house What was your best show last year Can we ask like your favorite show, favorite one or two from last year um, let's see. I had, I mean, for look, you don't usually lead with this with people cause it, it uh, but I'm a big fish fan. Okay. And I, I saw, mm-hmm. I saw, uh, it, that's basically my favorite place to be. Awesome. So I saw several uh, fish shows last year that were pretty great. Uh, but in the non, in, in the non vein, let's see, I got, I should bring up my list. What jumps out at me? Um, I saw Samara Joy who you may have never heard of. She's a, a jazz vocalist. I'm not a jazz guy, but okay. my stepmom is. And she took me uh, to hear her when she, this, she got tickets before she won two Grammys, like best mm-hmm. new artist and best vocal jazz album. And she All right. completely blew me away. One of the best vocal performances I've ever seen live. Um, and it's, there's no justice in music. That was a $20 ticket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Like, <laughs> yeah. Spotify wouldn't exist yeah. if there was justice in music. Right. Yeah, Unfortunately. Exactly. Um, and then like, what's the big, best, like big, big show I saw. Um, oh man, I saw a really cool show. There was a, there's this guy, uh, Garth, uh, what's his last name? I can't, it doesn't even matter. He's, he's like a DJ, uh, but he does this thing called, uh, laser face, uh, where he does a set with lasers. But now imagine a show with like too many lasers and then, Multiply that by ten, wow. <laughs> and then you, then suddenly it's the right number of lasers again, and that that was really cool. Again, I'm yeah, not like a, a, an EDM guy, but it was just the, the it was a great experience. Um, man, yeah, it's uh, live music is my uh, vacation, my therapy, my exercise, my entertainment. You know, that's fantastic. That, uh, I want to go on a limb here. Do you like Ween? Uh, I I do. Yeah, I like Ween. Going to. I, I have not seen them live yet. They're on my list. They've, they they keep coming through. They're on my bucket list to to catch live. Well, I think they're either on tour now or about to go on tour. Now's your chance. It's coming up. When we had uh, Seth from Magic Goldfish on Stan and Seth talked about Ween for like for like fifteen minutes. <laughs> it was it was a lot of Ween content. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I, I could I could join that uh, that crew. Yeah. That's that's basically the podcast I've always wanted to do. Is like. Uh, every episode is about a different Ween song, and it goes on for 300 episodes. Here, I'll, the world this needs is it. My, 
I, I, I am such, I can be a chaotic guy. <laughs> so in order to track all these shows, I actually started making a, uh, I have a, a Google doc that I share with my friends too, because I obviously want to get them to go to shows with me, but you can, uh, you can browse that at your leisure if you want to see what I've oh. been, what I've been seeing and what I've been going to. Thank you so I, much. I have coming up. Some, some of them have little reviews too. So that's fantastic. I'm going to take a look at this a little later on. Yeah. yeah. Not exactly the topic of the day. 